Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? Brittany Griner released from Russian prison. Ebony Bridges defeats Shannon O'Connell to retain the IBF Bantam world title. And AFL set to scrap the white shorts. For the key story this week, we're mixing it up a bit. Am I going to open up the questions to the public? We did a bit of a question box on our Instagram. So we're going to answer a few of the questions that you guys have thrown our way, which will be a bit of a reflection, I think, on the year that has been and the year that is to come. Zero preparation for this. It's often how I do things for you. Apologize in advance for my sketchy answers. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. Every week on the show, I'm joined by my co-host Bez, who works all things rugby and makes everything behind the scenes happen at TFAP with a lot more notice than the notice that I usually give her for things. (laughs) Uh, I'm used to it. (laughs) This Thursday, new athlete episode is going to drop with Australian captain Elisa Healy. We did it a few months back and I've been holding on to it for a while and I reckon we should probably release it before the year end. So Thursday morning, 6am, make sure you hit subscribe so you can check this one out. That is some perfect holiday in the car listening. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it is. This podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6am, but this is our last one for the year. It's been a big year. It's been a big year. Let's take a look around the grounds. In basketball, Brittany Griner is home. She's an American basketball star. She's, has she won two Olympic gold medals? Uh, at least. At least. Uh, she was released from a Russian prison late last week in a prisoner swap involving notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Bout. Griner has been held in Russia for 294 days for entering Russia while possessing vape canisters with cannabis oil residue present. Her status being an openly gay black woman who has been locked up in a country where authorities have already been hostile to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's created a lot of discussions around the racial, gender and social dynamics from her legal saga and brought a, a fairly unprecedented amount of attention to the population of wrongful detainees. Griner's wife, Sherelle, released a statement after Britney's release that pledged support for Paul Whelan, another US citizen jailed in Russia. As part of an Instagram post thanking all who had supported her family through the ordeal, she stated, I appreciate each and every one of you. Let's continue to use our hands, voices, platforms, and resources to bring Paul and all Americans home. All families deserve to be whole. What I love about that story is that Sherelle and the WNBA, we've seen Joe Biden involved in that whole process, obviously, but the fact that They've won in the sense that Britney's come home, but she's actually using that moment to call out for someone like Paul. You know how in in situations like that, people feel this immense relief, but they're actually using that platform to keep calling for change, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was very impressed with Sherelle's statement. And like you said, just the energy and the importance that they're putting behind that kind of, you know, effort to to free those Americans that are still held overseas. Mm -hmm. And it 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 must have been tough for them because- Initially, Biden offered up, but the Biden administration offered up um, the arms dealer. Yes, for for two, you wanted, you know, they wanted the both Americans, but I guess they had to kind of at the end of the day, they, they realized it was only going to be one. Mm. It was going to be Brittany Griner and, and not Paul Whelan, mm. and they just had to make that call. So it, it 
you'd feel a bit of guilt, wouldn't you? Like it'd be hard not to feel that kind of guilt that your partner was coming home but there was an American being left there. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Yeah, it's a very heavy situation, especially for something that, you know, at the end of the day BG said that she packed too fast and left the canisters in her luggage and it was her mistake, you know, for something that's completely legal where she's from. Yeah. Horrible. In snow sports. Another weekend of mogul dominance from Jakara Anthony. She won gold in the freestyle moguls in Sweden to be two from two this season. Anthony led in all rounds, scoring 81.75 points in the super final to secure the win and tour leaders gold jersey. Anthony said after the race, it's a wild way to kick off the season with back-to-back wins here and in Ruka. I'm really proud of how I've been able to progress over the days I've been here on the course. There's been a lot of figuring out to do, a lot of changes to make, and I think I'm making progress in the right direction. Interestingly, this is a bit off topic, but the I saw an, an article recently uh, that the Winter Olympics host for, I want to say, 2036, which seems like the future, but it's seems really not. awfully far away. Well, apparently it, it, they were due to announce the host of the Winter Olympics for 2036 mm-hmm. last month, and they've delayed it. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons they've delayed it is because the countries and cities that have applied for it, they've got to do some research into the climate change effects on those cities to wow. make sure there will still be snow Wow! in those cities. That's scary. Isn't it? So it's not going to be at Threadbow with the fake snow pumping out? I don't think so. I, don't, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think we're quite winter Olympics. Mind you, when it's a good season. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. In soccer, the Women's Super League in the UK is riding a wave of popularity, capitalising from England's UEFA Women's Euro 2022 triumph. UK pay TV broadcaster Sky Sports revealed an audience growth of 70% for the WSL this season. Sky Sports is paying a reported fee of UK £15 million per season to show the top flight of women's club soccer in the UK with the deal set to expire at the end of the 2023-24 season. Gary Hughes, director of football at Sky Sports, was ecstatic with the numbers and said that the league assists them in expanding our fandom from a broadcaster's perspective and reaching new audiences. More people under 35s, more female sports fans, that's one of our major targets and goals at Sky Sports at the moment. There's an intelligent man that knows where his market can grow. Yeah, because it's recognising the growth potential. Absolutely. There's also been a huge increase in the number of fans attending WSL matches. FA Director of the Women's Professional Game, Kelly Simmons, announcing that attendances are up a massive 200% on last season. A new record was set in September when 47,367 spectators turned out to watch Arsenal beat North London rivals Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur 4-0 at the Emirates Stadium. And on Sunday night, the Manchester derby between City and United was watched by 44,259 people. The WSL is just halfway through the season and Simmons said she is delighted to reveal that since the season commenced – We've seen almost 300,000 spectators attend matches across the Barclays Women's Super League. This just highlights how much appetite there is for world-class women's league football. Amazing. I love those numbers. So obviously that is on, not completely, but a lot of that is on the back of England's triumph in the UEFA Women's Euro in 2022. I just really hope that Football Australia can learn some genuine lessons from what's happened there. 
and that when it comes to the World Cup next year, that they really put some effort into not only putting on an amazing show, which I'm sure they will because Australia does that kind of stuff well, but then converting those fans of the international game to the domestic league so that next year when the A-League women's rolls around, those, again, that viewing numbers, spectators at the ground, everything continues to increase because, you know, a strong Matilda's result will shine an amazing light. Should we say just a win? Just win it? Win the World Cup? Win the whole thing, absolutely. Just win it. I'd love them to play the US in the final. And just towel them up, 4-0. That's ambitious, but sure. We'll take it. Let's aim let's aim high. But yeah, you know, it'll shine an amazing light on what is an awesome game. Mm. And a lot of those women, yes, they're playing overseas, but there's a, a good number of them playing in the A-League women's too. And yeah, I hope Football Australia does everything they can to capture those fans. And, you know, the the fans are there. That stadium's already sold out. Yeah. You can't get a ticket to a Matilda's match already. Yes, exactly. So we've got to convert those into the domestic fans. Because the big events like the World Cup whet the appetite. Whet. Whet. There's an H in whet. <laughs> the appetite, right, for what's to come. And so if they do a good job of setting up marketing that product, Fans just naturally flow on. You really want to ride that wave. In boxing, Ebony Bridges retained the IBF bantamweight world title, defeating fellow Australian Shannon O'Connell on Sunday morning in Leeds. It was a pretty intense build-up to the bout, and the fight itself did not let fans down. In the lead-up to the fight, O'Connell had called Bridges a skanky stripper, making reference to Bridges' routine of wearing lingerie wains and her recent deal with OnlyFans. Post-fight, Bridges called that out when she said, not bad for a skanky stripper, I must say, not bad for a skanky stripper. It's quite full on. It was intense. Yeah. Yeah. We watched the fight and um, great fight. She Bridges really took it to her. She was just all over her. A bit rocked in the first round, but after that, just continually moving forward behind her jab. But, um, yeah, the chat was pretty full on. Mm. She said, I'm – not usually disrespectful to my opponent, but she was so disrespectful to me the whole time, so I can't really give her that much respect. She can hit butt. She can bang. She came. She was hungry. She was fierce, but I was better, and that's why I'm the champion. It was Bridges' first title defense, and although, like I said, she was rocked in that first round, she went on to dictate terms for the remainder of the entertaining fight, and she was just really swarming pressure, like just always advancing. Um, English referee Howard Foster stopped the bout after O'Connell took a number of punches halfway through the eighth round and was struggling to keep her hands up in defence. It was a pro- probably a pretty timely stoppage. Poor old O'Connell's face had taken a bit of a beating. It didn't look good No, towards the end, did it? No. So we've seen Bridges has almost taken on this role of campaigning for the importance of femininity in boxing, I'd mm. say, for it to be celebrated and recognised. Um, we She took to Instagram last month and spoke about how important it is to be a woman and not lose that. She said, it seems to be the fashion nowadays for a girl to behave as much like a man as possible. Well, I don't think we need to do that to be respected. And I'll continue to fight for femininity. It's a naive sort of feminism that insists that women prove their ability by doing all the things how men do them. Sure, we can do stereotypically masculine things, but we can do them while still embracing our femininity and remaining a woman and not be judged for it. <sighs> Look, there's definitely parts of that that I disagree with. Mm. Uh, I, I would say I completely disagree with the fact that 
that there's a lot of female athletes out there who are trying as best they possibly can to behave and compete like men. Absolutely. I think we've done an amazing job in women's sport as a whole in in pushing for equality and equitable positions while still at the same time recognizing that women in sport provide a completely different product to men's sport. And absolutely, you're right. I, I 100% agree with that, that we, whilst playing the same sport, it is a different end product. The other thing that I, I, I kind of take umbrage to this is why do you have to gender it? Mm. Like it's, she talks about, um, she goes on to say another note, but the same page, I'll always call women's boxing, women's boxing, because I'm proud to be a woman. I'm proud of women's boxing. It's just boxing. Like it's a man or a woman doing it. You're doing it differently. Sure. You know, but I just think that, you know, gendering it is putting yourself, painting yourself into corners. It's sport. Mm. And the sooner that everyone realizes that we can all play sport together, you know, the better. And I just, yeah, I, I do agree with her right to, to feel that way and to want to market herself the way she does, you know, power to her. She's an amazing athlete. But it is, it doesn't sit comfortably with me that she kind of calls it a naive sort of feminism that women have to prove their ability by doing things how men do them. I don't think that's what people are setting out to do at all. I think they're setting out to play sport and to play sport at their best ability. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think what you've touched on there on that femininity piece, I don't think she actually acknowledges that real spectrum. Like she is well within her right, like you said, to to wear whatever she wants to wear when she goes to her weigh-ins and, and does things like that. But she also has to acknowledge if she's using her platform to call things out like this, that there may be certain female athletes who don't want to dress like that. And that's okay as well. Absolutely. They don't have to completely embrace their femininity and dress in lingerie in order to be considered a female athlete. Totally agree with you, which is weird. We should move on. <laughs> on to the next, please. <laughs> in cricket. The Australian team is in India and they made an impressive start to their tour with a comfortable win in game one. India batted first and set a competitive total of five for 172. But new skipper Alyssa Healy got the run chase off to the right start with a fast 37 off 23 balls before Beth Mooney, who just cannot stop scoring runs. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Took over and steered the Aussies to victory. Mooney finished unbeaten, scoring 89 off just 57 balls with 16 boundaries and was well supported by Talia McGrath, whose 49 out came off 29 balls. They cruised to the required total, finishing with one for 173 with 11 balls remaining. That took the Aussies to 21 games undefeated on the trot in all forms of the game. Oh, they hadn't they lost. Went close, they hadn't they? lost. Oh, they had not lost spoiler. a game in any format in 2022 until this morning, Monday oh. morning. That is the game two of the tour was close. In fact, it couldn't have been closer. It was a tie in front of a huge sold out 45,000 fans in Mumbai. Can we just that to me? I woke up this morning to update the research. Not going to lie, I didn't wake up at 12.30 to watch the game live. That's okay. Pretend fan. Not really, but that for me took away the kind of disappointment that the girls, the, the team had lost because, I don't know. Oh, because of the crowd. 45,000 Indians watching Indian women play cricket. And I don't know, I think it's quite a patriarchal, you know, culture there. And to watch the Indians embrace the female team. I mean, they do love all things cricket, 
but it's just, yeah, it really made my heart happy. And this is what we talk about in terms of the power of sport, that that has the ability to change people's perceptions about where women belong in society and that they deserve an equal place. Amen. And we're done. That's it for the year. Okay, back to the sports. Um, <laughs> uh, where was I? Yes, excellent. So 45,000 fans in Mumbai and they were not to be denied. It did take a super over to get the victory against the world champs. The Aussies is batted first and set a big total of one for 187 for the host to chase. Beth Mooney again, 82 not out off 54. And McGrath, 70 not out off 51, produced Australia's highest ever T20 international partnership and left India needing to make history with a record chase to level the series. They batted with intent and with one over left, they needed 14 runs for the win. Megan Shute had the ball and Devika Vida needed a six to win off the last ball or a four to tie the match. So she found the boundary and we went to a super over. The Indians batted first in the tiebreaker and Healy handed the ball to debutante Heather Graham, first international for Australia. That's pretty hectic in front of a packed Indian crowd. I like I I think that's amazing leadership from Healy. Like, well, I think it's taken, a great. So she had taken three for twenty two off her four over. She was yeah, she be- deserved it. Yep, she was bowling in the conditions mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, unfortunately, Smriti Mandhana scored thirteen off her three deliveries she faced, and Risha Gosh six off two. Both cleared the boundary to take 20 runs off Graham and record the best super over in women's T20 international history. That's a bit hard, isn't it? Yep. It was then our turn, the Aussies. But Alyssa Healy, Ash Gardner and Talia McGrath could only manage 16 runs off Renuka Takua, bringing to an end Australia's unbeaten run across all formats in 2022. Wait, so we lost the game or we tied the game? We lost the game. We lost it because okay. they, it's like ex- oh, but they extra tied, time. But then we went into the super over. I see, I see, I see. In rugby union, the Aussie Sevens team fell just short of going back to back in the World Series on the weekend, going down to New Zealand in the final 31 to 14. New Zealand dominated from the opening whistle in wet conditions in Cape Town and scored three unanswered tries in the first half. It's three unanswered tries in the first half is tough mentally to come back from. Mm. They gave it a crack. The Aussies, they struggled to build pressure. And when Michaela Blyde scored the opening try of the second half to take the score to 26-0, it was a little bit too late, I think, for the Aussies to have any real crack. It has been a spectacular year for the Aussies, though. And the loss to the Black Ferns was their first double-digit defeat in 47 games. That's super impressive. That the, the amount of work that they have put into their strength and conditioning fitness, but in particular their defense, like that's, that's a very impressive stat. They are going to head home now to regroup before the next stop in Hamilton, New Zealand on the 21st and 22nd of January. I should have extended my New Zealand trip. You should have. That was poor planning. It's not too late. I think I might. Yeah, I think you should. That will be followed by leg four on the 27th to the 20th. Sorry, I'm not sorry for interrupting. Can you use a gold medal as entrance, do you think? I think they do that. Like you kind of just like stamp it. You tap and go. (laughs) It's got a chip. It's got a chip for entry into any sporting event ever. Forever and ever. It should though. Absolutely it should. I think you should just wear it. So if anyone stops you, just wave it in their face. Or just hit them in the head with it. It's quite heavy. Quite heavy. The fourth leg of the World Series will be the 27th to the 29th of January in Sydney. Put that in your calendar right now. I'm going to be there. 
and our other TFAP team members will be there. So get your tickets. It's going to be a huge weekend at Allianz Stadium. It's a beautiful new stadium too. In some more soccer news, some very sad news out of the Men's FIFA World Cup over the weekend. 48-year-old US journalist Grant Wall fell ill while working during extra time of the Argentina-Netherlands match and later passed away in hospital. Wall had covered soccer for more than two decades, including 11 World Cups, six men's, five women's. He'd earlier gained global attention when he was one of two US journos who were detained when they arrived to cover the USA v Wales game wearing rainbow t-shirts in support of the LGBTQ plus community. Following his death, his brother Eric Wall said in a post on Instagram that he believed Grant had met foul play. Eric said that he is gay and that his brother was wearing the shirt in support of him. He claimed that Grant had received death threats and pleaded for help to investigate the matter further. There is no evidence at this point of foul play, according to authorities. In addition to the rainbow-themed shirt, Wall has been an outspoken critic of the Qatari government and its hosting of the World Cup. He wrote on Friday, They just don't care. Qatari World Cup organisers don't even hide their apathy over migrant worker deaths, including the most recent one. That was in an article on his Substat. The US soccer community shared immediate outpouring of grief over the news with hundreds of tributes for Grant shared across social media platforms. The National Women's Soccer League issued a statement that read in part, we are heartbroken by the news of Grant Wall's death. His commitment to sharing the stories of our beautiful game was unmatched, but more importantly, his integrity, thoughtfulness and kindness were central to the way he lived. There's been a lot of that. Everything I've read speaks to the kind of man he was. Obviously, he's been involved in US soccer for a long time, probably during a time when soccer wasn't as prominent in the sporting landscape as it, as it now is. And I think that's why we wanted to pay tribute to him in this episode, because as a journalist, you have incredible power to spotlight and highlight the voices of minorities, which is what he lived his life doing, which is pretty special. Absolutely. Megan Rapino said on Twitter, this is so devastating, all the love to his family and loved ones. And US soccer paid tribute to Wall's contribution to the sport in their statement, writing, here in the United States, Grant's passion for soccer and commitment to elevating its profile across our sporting landscape played a major role in helping to drive interest in and respect for our beautiful game. As important, Grant's belief in the power of the game to advance human rights was and will remain an inspiration to all. Grant made soccer his life's work and we're devastated that he and his brilliant writing will no longer be with us. In AFLW, the AFL announced last week that it will remove white shorts from on-field uniforms in the AFLW and other female competitions. Oh, it's a bit of a moment where you just like let out a sigh of relief. Yeah. How did you feel? Did you know this was coming? I think it's been something that has been in discussion probably for a number of years. I know a lot of players and administrators have been pushing for it, and I think it's a very common sense decision. I, From what I understand, it had almost been um, – I think when new women's leagues come into play, you, you often just follow what has worked in the men, and so the reason that we wore white away shorts was to prevent that clash, and so the home team would wear their home colours and the away team would wear white shorts – and that was, I guess, the way to make sure you could tell who was on which team. But it's a real case-by-case basis where that doesn't necessarily work as the most effective strategy in women's sport. Correct me if I'm wrong, all of you Victorian listeners, but I'm 
it's an, I, I believe it's another one of those instances where because of tradition and because of it was always done that way, it stayed that way. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the white shorts in the men's game originated from back in the days of black and white television. Oh, you're joking. No, so coloured shorts, like if you were wearing, say you were wearing your orange shorts and someone was wearing red shorts, can't tell the difference. But the black and or a dark, a coloured short versus a white short on black and white TV, you can tell the difference. Is that true? Because that's a great fact. Yeah. Well, wow. It's In my mind, it's true. You can stay. <laughs> you're hired for 2023. Back to the story. The league's decision follows consultation with AFLW clubs and female players and will come into effect ahead of the 2023 AFLW season. The AFLW are looking to eliminate performance anxiety faced by players during their menstrual cycles. The league's head of mental health and well-being, Kate Hall, said, prioritizing our players' health and well-being and supporting everyone to play Australian rules football is critical in everything we do at the AFL. This policy is to ensure women and girls can confidently play and enjoy Australian rules football free from the impact of period stigma. All 18 AFLW clubs will continue to have coloured shorts for home matches and can wear these in any match throughout the season. All clubs will also have another coloured set of shorts to be worn if there is a clash in uniforms instead of the standard white away shorts. Common sense. Let's take a look at the key story. We're mixing it up a little bit this week and we opened up our question box on Instagram to hear from you guys about questions that you wanted to ask us. We've had quite a number come through, which we're going to answer first, which is Bez's favourite sporting moment of 2022. Cannot go past the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. 2021 World Cup played in 2022. Yes. Thank you, COVID. But look, that was just an absolute beast of women's 15s rugby the games were exceptional the crowds were great um and it was all capped off with the hosts getting a three-point win at a sold-out eden park with 50, in front of fifty thousand, frothing 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 kiwis How good. Um, yeah i think we've spoken about it before but if, if you could just take a little snip of what that means to players watching stacy flula i always walk up i always go to call the walker but stacy flula Walk off that field. Apparently, I think she broke her ankle. Did she? Yeah. I don't know what that's what But she happened. was walking on it because 50,000 people were cheering her off and they were just carrying her on a wave of goodwill and awesomeness. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, eh? My favourite moment, thank you for asking, I'd say, would be. You didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> I don't know if it's, a, it's one moment in particular. I think it was multiple that culminated to this point. I think the crowds that we saw on multiple occasions in women's football across the globe, looking at the Barcelona women's football team, looking at the WSL in the UK, looking at the US women's national team in their fight for equal pay. I think the fact that it's just this really cold, hard evidence of, of the appetite, the wet appetite and the fan base that is there for women's football and for women's sport more broadly. And I thought the men's World Cup when the US advanced and won the 13 mil in prize money that because of the equal pay agreement that was in place that meant that the US women's team would get that 6.5 mil was a huge moment in, I guess, really making it more tangible what happens when you have adequate agreements in place for equal pay. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think it's interesting you you speak about it, it wasn't just 
one tournament or one game or one moment. It's what is really a groundswell of support for what they do call the world game. You know, mm-hmm. this is a game that whilst it might not be in the top two codes in our country, um, it is huge across the planet and mm. it's changing perceptions and people are getting on board and it's a delight because a rising tide lifts all boats. I love that quote so much. Let's go with, I quite like this one from Lexi. How did you and Bez meet? Oh. You can tell that story. Funnily enough, uh, many years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. It was a while now, maybe 2013, almost 10 years. Uh, I guess uh, I was the benefit of Chloe's Google. Um, Yeah. She was out there Googling how to win a gold medal because that was her dream and found that rugby was a thing. Obviously, her family heavily linked to the mighty Ringa Rats and, yeah, one of our mutual friends brought her down to preseason training. It was I, – I, I'm glad you asked this question, actually. It was an early glimpse into the competitive beast that lies inside my friend. Um, she – first training of the year, preseason, we're down at Narrabeen Beach playing, a, you know, doing a bit of skills, a bit of fitness. At the end, we finish with a game of flags, which happened to be cut up bits of um, – Pipe, I believe, or yeah. hose. Anyway, it doesn't matter what. Or sticks. I think it was sticks. It's usually hose at nippers, but I think it was sticks. Yeah. We're playing some flags. New girl. You know, there's probably 15 girls there. The brand new girl, first session, goes and wins it. Has to win it. Uses it, like, shoves people out of the way to win it <laughs> physically. And I was like, oh, okay, we've got a competitor here. So, yeah, that's how we met. Not very smooth at making friends. My competitive drive just took over. Yeah, but I think you probably realised pretty early that that was going to be respected in that environment. Mm. Maybe. Or maybe, Question just, maybe you're just a jerk. It's tough <laughs> to say. No one knows. <laughs> From Ella, this is a hard one. Do you think in your lifetime you'll see equality between men's and women's sport? I hope so. I think that's a pretty grey answer. But depending on what you mean by equality, mm. I think investment, again, we always speak about investment. I think if the investment can be equal, then absolutely we'll, we'll see equality. Until that time, though, equality could mean a lot of different things and it could mean it might not mean the exact same wages. I'm, I'm hoping it means the exact same opportunities. And I think that that investment brings up, if, if, if the investment is right and brings the opportunities, then we will see the growth. You know, females make up 50% of the population on the planet. There's so much growth potential, isn't there? Huge growth. I think I will completely agree with your answer and my only add-on will be I, I still stick by this prediction, which I think is backed by evidence, is, is I reckon in about 10 years' time it's going to reach this point where the brands and companies that didn't get on board with women's sport are really going to regret that they didn't get on board with women's sport. Yeah, absolutely. Who to watch in 2023 from Brad and a couple more people uh, – on the who to watch and which event to watch in 2023. Well, which event is obviously the Women's Soccer World Cup. It's got to be. Cannot wait. And my who to watch at that is going to be Mary Fowler. Obviously, Sam Kerr takes the cake, but Mary Fowler is at next gen and she's exciting. She is exciting. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how they can use them together. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. The more scoring options in front of goal. Mm. Future goals from Eloise for, I imagine that's for TFAP. Great question. I think 
I think, first of all, I'd like to have a really nice Christmas party on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We're getting Next the team Sunday. together. This Sunday coming. Next Sunday. Is it this Sunday? Yeah, get ready. Oh, gosh. We've got a couple of really big projects that are going to be launched in 2023, which I'm really excited to announce to everyone. And I think more broadly, just continuing to put out content, we'd love to keep increasing the video content that we're putting out. I think there's a real appetite for that. Whoa, I've said the word appetite a lot for this for this episode. Are you hungry? I'm starving. I always am. And and live events. That's the other one I'd, I'd really like us to do more of because that live podcast we did with Rhiannon was one of my favorite events of the year. I think getting people to watch these female athletes live, there's, there's nothing really like it. And, and again, it comes back to that engaging with someone, getting to know someone, you know, becoming a real fan. I reckon we'll wrap it up with that. Let's take a look at what to watch. The A-League women's match of the round this weekend is on Saturday between first place Melbourne City and third place Western United. The match kicks off at 5.05pm at Amy Park and will be live on 10 play for those that can't make it out to what will be a belter of a game. Should we? Let's just hope that we don't see a repeat of the scenes from last weekend at Allianz Stadium. Where, I was going to reshare that on social media. Do you think I should? Yeah, why not? A minute after full time, after Sydney FC battered the Brisbane Raw 4-0, the sprinklers came on. Both teams are obviously still out on the field getting a little early shower. Not good. Be better. Not good enough. In cricket, game three of the T20 International Series against India will be played early on Thursday morning with the match starting at 12.30 a.m. AEDT. You can tune in live on Foxtel and KO Freebies. And the 16th FINA World Short Course Swimming Championship start in Melbourne today, Tuesday. How good. The meet will be held at the Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Centre and will feature over 1,000 swimmers from 160 nations across 46 events over six days of action. That was a lot of numbers. So many numbers and I nailed them. You did. Such a pro. All the action will be free on the Nine Network, so get involved. I like how I was on live TV with Thorpe a couple of weeks ago and I asked him if he had an Olympic tat and he doesn't. And I do. I think he probably deserves one a lot more than I do. You won one gold. He won like a thousand. Yeah. He'd be covered in rings. He was like, oh, hun, I haven't even heard of you. <laughs> he didn't say that. He's a lovely man. And that's the wrap. For the year. For the year. I'm a bit sad it's about wrapped. that. 22 wrapped. 2022 wrapped. Thank you so much for all of your research and merch deliveries and organization and giving me notice well ahead of times of things that need to be done. I thought you were going to thank our fans, but thank you for letting me be involved in this amazing project, which you have brought to life in such a wonderful way that only you could. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners and supporters on Instagram who it's a, it's a really special community that, um, that we've built that are just such huge supporters of women's sport. And I love the way people get around these really good news stories and they also use their platforms, no matter how big or small their platforms are, to call out for change and, and for a better world for, for women in sport. It's really special. Be heard, people. Mm-hmm. And I just want you all to know that keep buying the merch. It's amazing. And Chloe Dalton still gets a buzz every time she sees a stranger wearing a TFAP shirt. Yeah, I absolutely do. It's really cool. It's so cool. And that's the wrap. See you next year. See you next year. Yeah. I hate that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>